Welcome to the Ghost Rap Podcast. It's fast, it's fun, it's informative. This is your weekly dose of the news that matters on the markets with your host, The Finance Ghost. For more details on these stories and to make sure you get daily updates, visit ghostmail.co.za. The Ghost Rap Podcast is proudly brought to you by Mazars, a leading international audit, tax and advisory firm with a national footprint within South Africa. I simply must cover British American tobacco here just based on how widely read the update was and just how widely hulled the stock is. I have an unorthodox view on the company. Bulls see it as a source of hard currency earnings, dependable dividends and some growth prospects thanks to the pricing power of, bluntly, selling a product that people are addicted to. Now, leaving any ESG stuff aside, and believe me, British American Tobacco knows all the tricks to get a great ESG rating despite the obvious common sense test, my view on the company is actually quite different to that. I'm very much on the bearish side. I don't see it as defensive when you sell to people who would probably love to quit you. Although there are still many smokers in the world, the company's strategy actually rests on transitioning those smokers into the so-called new categories products, which are a range of non-combustibles that fall into vapor, modern oral and heated product categories. Now, I'm certainly no expert on any of this because I don't smoke, but what I can tell you is that this puts the company in a state of flux, which is the exact opposite of anything that I would ever describe as being defensive. For now at least, it is still a cash cow that delivers close to 100% operating cash flow conversion, and that is what the bulls like. However, British American Tobacco has also recognized a gigantic impairment of £25 billion, that is enormous, on recently acquired US combustible brands, which they blame on macroeconomic conditions and the push into non-combustibles. Now obviously an impairment is non-cash, but that's still a big deal. At the end of the day, earning a dividend of say 8% or 9% a year and then watching the share price drop 19% in 2023 doesn't exactly give you a total return that is on the right side of zero. The share price is trading at the same level as it was 10 years ago. Defensive or a sunset industry? You know which one I think it is. In banking updates in the past week, we saw both Nedbank and APSA release updates. Now these two really are arch rivals, not least of all with the current CFO of ABSA, Jason Quinn, headed for the top job at Nedbank after Mike Brown moves on. But that's not the only win for Nedbank, as we will soon discuss. In a pre-close update dealing with the 10 months to October, Nedbank was largely in line with earnings guidance, with strong net interest income growth helping to drive a positive JAWS outcome, which means an increase in operating margin because income is growing faster than expenses, and that's how they measure JAWS. The highlights at Nedbank was the Ecobank investment, which is their African associate. Associate income was up by 80%. Now, return on equity at Nedbank is higher than the 14.2% reported in the interim period, with the group moving closer to the target of 15%. Over at ABSA, some things are similar, like net interest income driving the top-line performance and the credit-loss ratio above the target range, much like at Nedbank. However, the big difference is that the cost-to-income ratio has deteriorated, which means negative jaws and a drop in operating margin. And as at Nedbank, the African regions are actually the stars of the show right now. But here's the thing. ABSA's return on equity will be lower than the 16.4% reported last year, but ahead of their cost of equity of 14.5%, which suggests that it is probably still a little bit higher than Nedbank. But despite that, ABS's share price is down 18.5% this year and Nedbank is down only 5%. In stark contrast, a group like Standard Bank, that's up 15%. 
Of course, it is all about market expectations coming into this year and the associated valuation. The market had just started to get excited about ABSO, but this year has not turned out to be as good as was hoped, and so the share price has had a tough time. Transaction Capital has been a group in crisis, which is sad to see after years of generally good stuff. SA Taxi and TCRS, which is now called Newton, were built over an extended period. We Buy Cars was subsequently acquired and quickly became an important part of the story. There were very exciting times before SA Taxi basically imploded and took the group's share price with it. Today, the company is behaving a lot more like an investment holding company and a lot less like the integrated one team, one dream situation we had before this mess. It seems like there are no holy cows, with Jonathan Giorno back in the driving seat as CEO and some pretty big strategic options being considered, like a future unbundling of We Buy Cars. As much as SA Taxi is technically ring-fenced from a balance sheet perspective, it is concerning to see commentary like Newton being impacted by SA Taxi when it comes to access to debt. This is simply reputational contagion, as banks are now wary of transaction capital as a whole. Speaking of banks, the ongoing survival of SA Taxi is predicated on the support of lenders, but it's likely that they are all deep in the mud together and the banks actually can't afford to let it fail. As a final comment, I feel that a 14% drop in earnings at We Buy Cars for the year was actually quite decent, especially with the second half only 4% lower. Their B2C business is showing some strength there. It's just such a pity about SA Taxi. Keep an eye on Spur. Not only do the restaurants look busy basically all the time, but there's now a significant strategic step forward in the form of some Italian being added to the mix. The deal to acquire 60% of Doppio Zero isn't new news, but the deal has now closed, and so it is showtime for Spur and this management team to work together. That team hasn't exactly been sitting still either, opening a sub-brand of pizza vino called Ciccio, and also developing an Indian-inspired concept called Modern Tailors. This might be small stuff for now, but I remember when Rocco Mama's was a single restaurant in Pine Slopes, near where I lived in my Joburg days. It absolutely ballooned from there under Spur ownership. So let's see what happens with Doppio Zero, which has every chance of making it a success in the Western Cape, where it is currently non-existent. I'll end off with some good news from Murray and Roberts. The construction group has been in the doldrums for a while now, with serious questions being asked about its sustainability. The good news is that they seem to have made quite big progress on the balance sheet at least. When a company is priced for failure, that is big news, which is why the share price closed 13.5% higher on the day of release of this announcement. They've done it by selling the 50% shareholding in Bombella Concession Company, as well as a non-strategic investment in Arden Solar. They've also agreed new terms on one of the largest mining projects in South Africa. Importantly, the Canadian subsidiary has renewed its debt facility and will pay a dividend to Murray and Roberts over the next six months. So by June, just based on current initiatives, South African debt would have been brought down from 2 billion rand not very long ago to just 350 million rand. Just remember that 550 million rand of that reduction is actually just a shift in where the group debt sits from holding company down to the Canadian subsidiary. Still, the group has explicitly said that a rights issue isn't on the table right now, and that is certainly what the market has celebrated here. And that's a wrap. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Ghost Rap podcast should be taken as advice. Please do your own research and visit ghostmail.co.za for more insights into the market.